All right, welcome to another episode of Kiwi Scan Stories, where neighbors meet neighbors. Today, we're going to meet one of the candidates who's running for District 6 school board member at the Miami-Dade County Public Schools, of course, which affects us here in Kiwi Scan. Her name is Sandra Mancieri. She has been a teacher for 21 years. She's currently teaching first grade at the Kate Center, at our Kate Center here in the Key. She's been spent, she has spent 11 years working there doing a combination of first grade all the way to eighth grade. I think you were telling me before, before we started. Um, and she's running for school board. So that's, that's pretty exciting. You know, you've been around in the key for a while, you know, teaching and, and, and being part of this community at the K-8 center. Thank you for jumping on the show and telling us about you so we can get to know you a little bit. How are you? I'm great. Good morning. How are you, Alejandro? Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, My pleasure. I love Key Biscayne. I love this community. And I decided to jump into this race because I feel that there is a need to have a teacher's voice on that board, a teacher and a parent. So tell us, you have, you're a parent. You, know, you have, how many? You had two kids, you told me? I have three children. Ah. I have two adult children and I have a 15-year-old who attended Key Biscayne K-8 from kindergarten to eighth grade. And right now he is thriving on a step-up scholarship at Christopher Columbus High School, which is a private Catholic school in Westchester. I didn't feel that the public school could meet his needs and I pulled them out and I am very grateful for school choice. Cool. So okay, you said Columbus, right? Yes. Yes. I went, I went, I went to Columbus. Yay. Go explorers. Yeah. I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm still exploring. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, what scholarship did you say he was doing? It's called the Step Up Scholarship. It used to be called the McKay Scholarship. It's for children with learning disabilities. And you can take your money from the public school system and take it to uh, private schools that accept the scholarship. Okay. I didn't know about that one. But okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. So I have I have a couple of questions I prepared um, for you so we can get to know you a little bit and 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 your run. So the first one I have is what is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? I think it's that came from my mother, God rest her soul. She came to this country at uh, a young age. She didn't speak the language. She had a third grade education and she raised seven children. Uh, My dad passed away when I was eight years old. Mm. So she was basically on her own, but she always taught us to never give up and to work hard for anything that, that we really, really, really wanted in our lives. And uh, I think that I'm a product of that. And I try to pass that on to my children and to my students as well. I didn't go back to school until I was 35 years old. I got my master's after getting my bachelor's and then continued to get my educational specialist and continued working toward improving myself and, uh, and following my dreams one day at a time. It wasn't easy. I was uh, raising a family and working full time, but I never gave up. So if, if it's anything I could tell any young person or old person that there's uh, there's no limit to what you can do if you really stick to it and work hard. I like that. I like that because especially nowadays where 
the the results people expect are immediate you know like with social media and everything the instant gratification all these things are supposed to happen so quickly but in, in reality no we, we build things with time dedication consistency patience and as you said not giving up because you need to you need to hold yourself through all these moments the ups and downs right so i like that not giving up everybody is key for a lot of things in our lives the tortoise and the hare remember mm. <laughs> what's the moral slow and steady wins the race <laughs> i like that i like that so what are what are the most important things in your life right now well i would say family for sure i have uh three beautiful children uh two of my daughters are adults they live in philadelphia and my son lorenzo who's 15 he lives with me and my husband who's very supportive uh, right now, I am extremely grateful because uh, I'm feeling extremely blessed because my daughter had a brain tumor and it was removed and she is recovering. And this, these lessons teach you that life is unpredictable and can sometimes throw you these incredible curveballs. But with faith and, and trust, God is good. We can keep moving forward. I'm glad she's recovering. You said she's doing well. Yes. Thank God. Okay. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. I'm glad that everything went well. You know, thank God indeed. So I have some questions related to your, you know, you're running for office. So what okay. inspired you? What inspired you to run for a school board member? Well, it's something that has always been in the back of my head for a long time because I've always been passionate about injustices and about uh, inequalities and things that I see in the system that are that are broken. But I always thought I'd I'd jump into this after I retire. <laughs> I didn't think I'd I'd leave my career um, this early and quite honestly take a pay cut and impact my retirement. And but I just. Uh, seen so many things in these past couple of years that have uh, truly uh, taken me to to make this decision because if not me, then who? Because I see that no one else is leaning in and there's a need to fill this void. There are so many students that honestly are, are not being addressed the way that they deserve to be addressed, the way they have a right to be addressed. Parents are being ignored. Teachers are being disrespected. Uh, these board members make decisions without consideration, without uh, collaboration, without actually speaking to the teachers with boots on the ground with the parents who are directly impacted by the decisions that they make by our neediest students, our, our, our most fragile students, our special education students, our English language learners, they place all these uh, uh, these things on paper, like they're doing so much, like uh, services and the money that's being invested, but I just don't see it. I don't see it in the classroom. I don't see those supports there for the teachers. I don't see the supports for the students. And it's time to actually have board members that are actually engaged, that visit classrooms, that see what's going on, that hold school leaders accountable, that check the data, that are innovative with the way that they address these, these problems. I mean, if you look at our reading proficiency rate 
for the entire county. Yeah, we have a great graduation rate. You know, our graduation rate is like 90 something percent. But our reading proficiency rate, I believe, is in the high 40s or the low 50s. So talking about Cubescan more specifically, what do you believe are the most important issues um, around our school today? Well, that's an excellent question and and one that I've uh, pondered for a long time. We had a leader at our school um, since I was hired, Sylvia Tarapa, who's a, a local resident. She understood the community very, very well. And, uh, she, you know, was she perfect? No, of course not. Just like I'm not perfect and you're not perfect, but she was as close to perfect as you can get. She was an amazing, amazing administrator who understood the community that she works for, that works harder than any person I know. And uh, I believe that that's the main problem with our school in the last two years is that we we had a leader that, that you know, did the best she could. She came from a different demographic, uh, but she just didn't understand the needs of our community. Our community is very unique and special because uh, our community gives their all to our school with support to teachers, support to their children, uh, support to the school. But with that support comes uh, great expectations. Our community wants to make sure that our school is the best school that it can be, that our teachers are top-notch, that we have a top-notch administrator. Uh, And I feel that there was a disconnect with uh, the leadership that we had during the pandemic and also the pandemic, she can't be blamed. You know, I'm not blaming anyone here. Uh, there were a lot of, of issues with the pandemic that, you know, school closures and the restrictions and volunteers, et cetera. So I would say that right now, our new leader, and I, and I hope and I, and I pray that our new leader will take uh, a lesson from, from what has happened in the last two years and will really uh, understand the needs of Key Biscayne. We are a school that wants volunteers. We are a school that wants parents to volunteer in their children's classroom. We are a community that wants to be competitive academically and in sports. We are a community that wants to have teachers happy, that wants to have teachers uh, that can grow in their career. We are a community that wants to have a clean, beautiful building that wants to be involved in conservation issues because we are a barrier island. There are so many things that are important to this community and we need a leader that understands our needs. So what would an ideal K-8 center for us here in Key Biscayne look like to you? Wow. Mm. Okay, an ideal K-8 center. Well, I, I'm going to start with... Um, with the primary grades, since I right now I'm a primary teacher, I teach first grade and primary grades require more support because the little guys need more help. I feel they're less independent. So an ideal K-8 center would have paraprofessionals supporting the primary grades. An ideal K-8 center would have interventionists in reading and mathematics to support our lowest performing students. An ideal K-8 center would have a strong link with with our community, with our community business leaders to support uh, initiatives. For example, uh, through the the PTA and the local businesses, we can uh, raise money for specific things 
uh, like uh, improving our our playground or improving our our PE field or improving our building or adding structures to enhance and beautify our garden, uh, our organic garden. It would, all of these things would be a part of it. Uh, an ideal K-8 center would have volunteers coming in and out of our school, vetted volunteers. An ideal K-8 center would be safe, um, non-porous. We, would, uh, we have two uh, police officers working at our school full time. That's very important. But still, there are areas where I see that um, there are soft points that uh, we need to protect our children. An ideal K-8 center would have a middle school that is not dying. Right now, our middle school has very low numbers. We need to have uh, programs, electives, uh, advanced uh, classes to keep our students there so that they don't leave in mass to Mass Academy and the other magnet schools. We need to make it more competitive. An ideal K-8 center would have teachers that are uh, highly effective and want to remain at our school that are not putting in transfers, which unfortunately last year we saw uh, several teachers put in transfers. So we're not sure what's gonna happen this year. An ideal K-8 center would have a leader that understands the needs of our community and works collaboratively collaboratively with our teachers towards that end and ensures that all students, especially our most fragile students, our ESE students are receiving the services to which they're entitled. Our, uh, an ideal K-8 center would have a pool of substitutes from our community that uh, would be ready at a drop of a dime because right now we use our in-house people to cover classes. So if a teacher's sick, they'll pull the Spanish teacher or the art teacher, and then those special area classes get canceled. And that puts more pressure on the teacher and makes the teachers unhappy and they don't have time to plan. So an ideal K-8 center would have a strong language program because so many parents want their children to maintain their native language mm. because they're not sure how long they're going to be in this country. Their dream is to return to their country. The numbers uh, in the program that we currently have, the extended foreign language program, are limited. So possibly expand that to a, a full-time bilingual program, maybe expand it to another language. I know we have a lot of Portuguese speakers expanded to also a Portuguese language program or a French. There are so many things that um, we could do if we work together. And there is no reason why Kibiskane can't be these things. No reason at all. We have the resources. We have the support. We have wonderful teachers. We have children that are amazing. We have large numbers. We can do this. And you also have a lot of organizations around the school that, that helps. I think that I recently learned about PTAs. I, 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 I thought it was like a one-off situation, but apparently schools have PTA, which is parents, they, they participate in the school, right? That's one. And then there's some some changes in PTA locally here in the Kibis, in Kibiskane as well. And then there's also the the foundation, the Kibiskane Education Children's Foundation. I believe I <laughs> I don't know if I got the the name right, but they also help raise funds to to do these paraprofessionals, right? Which are mean paraprofessional, if I'm not mistaken, is is just extra teachers to help, it's, right? It's, it's- 
it's it's an extra body in the classroom, but it's a trained person that is not a, a teacher for, per se. She's not a, uh, or he or she is not a certified teacher, but they can support the teacher in many ways. They can support the teacher uh, in the classroom with uh, helping out during a small group uh, activity, or they can help during a science experiment, or they can just help with with numbers. There's so much to do in a classroom that it's it's truly overwhelming. And teachers need this support because every time something goes wrong, like this pandemic has resulted in students being, I found this, uh, my data this year found that first graders had never actually been into a classroom because of the uh, shutdowns in, in certain schools and certain states. So I received students that were coming to me that had stepped into a classroom for the first time in their life and they were entering first grade. And they had serious gaps in, in learning. They, some of them did not know their letters. They did not know sounds. And these are things that are taught in kindergarten. So from the beginning, we were working from behind with zero support, zero support. We did not have an interventionist. We did not have paraprofessionals to support us. And uh, we did the best we could. And thank God that we live and work in, in a community that you talk to the parents and you explain to the parents, we have this problem, we need your support. And they are quick to hire a tutor or to get them extra help after school. Or, But that doesn't happen in the majority of our schools. In the majority of our schools, the parents are working and they have no way to support their children. So if things went south at our school, I want you to take a moment and reflect. So what do you think happened in, in those inner city schools? or those schools that are predominantly immigrants. It's a lot. So um, yes, we do have a lot of support at Key Biscayne and the foundation does wonderful things and we need to find a way to, uh, to work with the administration so that the foundation can work more closely with our school to improve programs for our school and services for our students. And the PTA is a wonderful, I was a board member this year and uh, we it was it was pretty bumpy. It was it was difficult, but I think that we we got some things done. That uh, Miss Tarafa was amazing at working with our PTA. She knew how to how to work with the PTA. She knew what the needs of the school were. Uh, were. She knew what the needs of the teachers were, and and it was always a very good relationship with the PTA. And I hope that this new PTA, because there's a new board now, will engage with the new administration and work seamlessly to bring the school what we need. So tell us a little bit about why you decided to become a teacher. Why, why a teacher out of all the professions out there? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I was, um, I was working actually in the shipping business and the freight forwarding business. I was in the shipping business for many years. I worked um, for a large freight forwarding company. I worked for um Transport. I was in the transport business for many years, and uh, I was making a very good living. Uh, and uh, but I never saw my little girls. I had two little girls, and I would work sometimes evenings up to eight o'clock at night. And my husband was self-employed, so he basically took care of the girls. And uh, I remember coming home, and it's like, oh, Mika took her first steps today, and I was like, oh, I miss that. So. One day I just woke up in the middle of the night, actually, and I told them I'm quitting my job and I'm going back to school to become a teacher so that I could have a more flexible schedule with the kids. 
And he's like, you're crazy. You know, teachers don't get paid anything. Are you nuts? You know, you, you are making pretty decent money now. And I said, no, I decided that's what I'm going to do. So, you know, being my mother's child, I, I just took the, you know, the bull by the horns. I, I put in my resignation. I quit. I, uh, I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to get a job at Mast Academy as a secretary while I'm going to school. And that way I could work my way into the system and start getting to see how the system works. So I went and I got fingerprinted and I applied for the job at Miami-Dade County Public Schools as a secretary. And I was hired at Mast Academy as a secretary while I was going to school. And I went back to school and uh, got my bachelor's, which I never had a bachelor's before that. And then just kept going. (laughs) And I love what I do. I absolutely love being a teacher. I love connecting with parents. I love uh, children. Like they're just so, so amazing. The things that they say and how unjaded they are. And it's just, I, I love it. It's what I, what I'm passionate about. Awesome. Well, I know a lot of uh, parents in the key are are very happy with with you as as a teacher and uh, and as a candidate as well. So you know we we take opportunities here at Kiwi Skin Stories for our neighbors to get to know what's going on. You know, especially if I if we can bring topics like this of of individuals that are either running for office or want to impact the community in certain ways. These are great mediums for people to get to know um, each other. In this case, getting to know you a little bit more. So thank you. Thank you for coming on the show and telling us your story and the reasons why you're running and a little bit about you. So thank you. Thank you so much, Alejandro. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with me today. And I hope that the community gets to know a little bit more about me. And I really hope that on August 23rd, when they vote, they vote for Sandra Manzieri for District 6. Thank you. Well, my pleasure. Thank you again and have a great day. Bye.